Hi everybody, this is Jeremy. My wife Candace and I are the pastors at the Ridge Assembly at Park Hill. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope this message connects with you, that inspires you, reveals God's word of truth in your life. Be encouraged and enjoy the message. All right, guys. Well, well, good morning. Thank you so much again for being here uh, this morning. We'll we'll get kind of kicked off with the service or the sermon uh, this week. Deserts of promise. Deserts of promise. So last week uh, we looked at the parable of the talents and a very simple message on staying engaged, and it's something that continues to resonate in my heart um, and in the hearts of of a lot of Christians. Because I believe that truly we're in a time where the church cannot afford to be in maintenance mode. The kingdom of God is not in maintenance mode. Right? So, so we looked last week at the parable of talents. The master went away for a long time. And sure enough, it's been a long time. It's been a long time since the day of Pentecost. Right? It, it's, been, it's been a long time. The church has built some incredible things. We've accumulated uh, some significant grounds in the world and and all kinds of things, the last two millennial, right? But we are far from being finished with the task that Jesus set before us. And at the same time, I recognize that, that God has done incredible things in the church history. I look at our current situation with, between COVID-19 and the postmodern culture that, that seems to threaten to destroy all that the church has built and I look around and I see that that overall there's a lot of churches that are that are kind of circling the wagons and becoming inwardly focused at the moment to not lose what the church has gained over the last couple of millennial. But as we said last week, guys, we cannot coast until the master returns. Jesus has entrusted us with gifts and talents to advance the kingdom, to win converts to walk in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, to demonstrate His power and bring Him glory, to grow His investments. He's entrusted us to do those things, and, and we've, got to, we've got to be about His business. The kingdom of God is like a business, and we need to grow it. Now, I'm not a master of economics, right? I, I wish I was. If, if I was, I'd, I'd own a beach house and I'd have like a Cessna caravan to get me there. Right? Instead, like a Dodge caravan is kind of more in my speed as far as, as budget goes. But I do know that, that in this crazy economy, we've seen a huge difference between the old money companies and, and the new money companies. When corporations and companies get big, they tend to get slow moving, right? When old money is doing their investment, they just, they're just they big, they're lumbering, they're slow moving, and they're inwardly focused. And they're trying to figure out how to keep doing what they've always done and just stay, stay alive, right? And then on the other side of the spectrum, you've got the, you've got the new, the up-and-coming, the venture capitalists, the people that are willing to take risks, right? They, there's not a lot of momentum, so they're agile still. And, and, and they're able to, to invest and to grow and, and to do those things. They're interested in those things. They're willing to take risks and get out there. And then we see the perfect match, right? And this is where the parallel of the kingdom of God just comes in. We see the perfect match where you see big companies with lots of resources, that are open to new ideas and being agile, right? Now, I'm not a fan of Walmart, right? The people of Walmart.com, some of those pictures are awesome, and I've seen them in, in person, <laughs> right? But, but, man, Walmart's doing great. 
They're a huge company. They've got tons of resources, but they're continuing to grow during the pandemic because they're finding new ways to serve their customers. They're finding new ways to reach people. They're finding different routes to get their product out there, right? The kingdom of God has to be at least as good. Right? When we start operating under the revelation of the Holy Spirit, we're going to take this incredible investment power that we have. The church is not small. The church is not weak. The church is big and powerful. And when we take that and we take the new and the fresh ideas that the Holy Spirit gives us, right, the old wine and the, the new wine, right, the former and the latter, and we mix those things together, suddenly we're going to have a force that's going to be able to invest and to grow and to prosper even in these last days. I believe 100% that, that the church is an old organization but has infinite purchase power through the Holy Spirit that we must and can win new converts, pandemic or not. That we must have new vision. That we must have new dreams. On the day of Pentecost, as the, the Holy Spirit is being poured out, Right? They quoted from the book of Joel and said this in Acts 2, 17. The last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. We're going to take that, that old purchase, that purchase power that we have through the power of the Holy Spirit and mix it with new urgency and new zeal and fresh opportunities to advance even when we're walking through the wasteland of our current global situation. I woke up in the, the middle of the night a couple of nights ago, and the Lord brought to my mind the story of Abram and Lot, and when they separated from one another after they came out of Egypt. And, and in the end, we'll read it here in just a few moments, but in the end, you know, Lot moves to the fertile plains, the plains that looked good to the eyes Right? And, and pitched his tents even as far as Sodom, the Bible says, and he ends up in a mess. And then Abram, he, he goes the other way, and he looks, and there's really nothing to behold. But he looks over the land of promise, and he understands that the God who said, let there be, also gave him a promise that he would walk in favor of the covenant and Abram became known as the friend of God. And, and he who had no son became the father of many nations. And he stepped into this beautiful promise. Not because of what it looked like. But because of the God who, who gave him the deeds to it. And this morning, ladies and gentlemen, I want to continue the theme of building the kingdom. And remind us that even though the time and the season that we are about to traverse... Because, because honestly, even in the natural, I believe that, that maybe the worst isn't behind us. Even though, even though the, the season that we're about to traverse may be overwhelmingly barren, God has a plan and a purpose and some power, and that He will do incredible things to prosper and build His kingdom. Let's look at this story here in Genesis 13. We're going to end up reading the whole thing. We'll stop a few times along the way, and then we'll make a few observations, and you'll be out of here uh, in plenty of time for lunch. Genesis chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. 
We'll stop there because the, the beginning of this is, is very significant. The, the setting uh, of where we're going, even these first introductory verses, incredibly significant, I believe, to our situation today because Abram was in Egypt to survive a famine. He, he moved from the land that he should have possessed to, into Egypt to survive a famine for just a season that God had put his provision down in Egypt. And there... Instead of just surviving, Abram became rich. Now, Egypt wasn't the promised land. Abram and Sarai, or Abraham and Sarah is what their names would be, right? They were outsiders there. And they came up with a lot of hardships, right? Abram feared for his life because Sarah was beautiful and the king liked her. And there's a real messed up story there if you want to go in and read it. It gets a little bit nuts. I'm telling you, you know, the Bible is not boring, right? There's all kinds of messed up stuff, right? Read what happens with Lot after he leads Sodom. It's crazy. Anyway, moral of the story is that, that, that he was in Egypt into a land where it wasn't the promised land. He was there just to survive. He was there even in the midst of peril of his own life, fearing for his life at times. But God blessed him. It was a land that, that was just, it, it, was a, it was a time, it was a holding pattern between where he was and where he was going. It was just for survival. But, but even though he was under just governors and tutors for that time period, God blessed him with more than provision blessed him with wealth and riches. And Abram, even though he was, he was in a foreign land that wasn't his, he was blessed to the point where he became rich. Right? So we humans, we get in a hurry, right? especially in, in our generations that's been so accustomed to Chick-fil-A, right? <laughs> you order your food 30 seconds later, my pleasure, it's done. Right? If you've got to wait a little bit longer than that, then you get upset. But sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, the, 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 the truth is that in our transition periods, in our waiting periods, when we've got to go to Egypt for a little while, when we've got to go to a place of provision, even, even before we get to the land of promise, even in those times, God can bless us. If you're in a waiting season where you know that you're not in the end of what God has for you, even in those moments, God has not forgotten you, and His promises are not slow. There's a purpose in the waiting. There's a purpose to train you. There's a purpose to bless you. Abraham got rich, and I fully expect that in our waiting that we're going to get rich. Sure, I believe that we're, the church is going to be financially blessed, but I also believe that spiritually speaking, we're going to become rich. In this waiting time, I believe that God is going to position us by growing some of us in this house in gifts and talents and, and, and gifts of the Holy Spirit, things to be able to be poured out so that when the floodgates open, we're going to be ready. I believe that in this waiting time, God is going to bring in certain people that He's already dealing with. He's already stirring them up because there's prodigals right around here that have to be saved. There's a community right around here that has to be reached. There's a devil that controls this area that's got to be pushed out. And in our waiting time, in our waiting time, God is going to make us rich. And I expect to see the first fruits of a kingdom harvest so that God strategically places us that when we're able, we can move forward. So everyone that finds yourself at this, at this moment, this morning, living and working and ministering below your potential because you're in Egypt, 
Don't be discouraged. Because God's going to use this time to make you rich. God may be using a natural provision for a supernatural blessing and training for stewardship on an exponential scale. So whatever your waiting time is this morning, you know what? If the only job that you can find at this moment is doing manual labor and you hate it, do it anyway. Do it under the Lord because God is doing something. If the only ministry opportunities you can find at this moment are encouraging somebody on social media or sending somebody a random text, then do it. You don't know what that glowing screen is going to do on the other side of that message. Maybe, maybe, maybe that you're going to bring words of life to somebody who is really desperate in that moment. Maybe you call a prayer meeting and the only person that shows up is you in your closet, right? But do it and pray and push because maybe we're living in Egypt for a moment, but the truth is we're going to be so blessed that the land won't be able to sustain us. Verse 3. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai to the place of the altar which he'd made there at first. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. So he found himself in a situation somewhere between Egypt. Egypt was in his rearview mirror. That's the place that he had, he had been blessed, but that's not the place that he belonged. And now Egypt in his rearview mirror, and he doesn't know where to go because he's not in the promised land yet either. So he's in this transition. And what do you do when you're in transition? You go back to the place where you met with the Lord previously. And so he went back to the place where he met with the Lord previously And he had a moment with God again. Verse 5 says, Lot also who went with Abram had flocks and herds and tents. And now the land was not able to support them that they might dwell together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Perizzites dwelt in the land also. Now, this is a strange but true statement that sometimes your blessings can become burdens. And that's what had happened here with Abram and Lot. They had too much stuff. They had too many blessings, and they were a burden. And we see this in our lives in the natural that you make good money at your job, and then suddenly you're a slave to overtime. Uh, or, or you own a business, but then the business owns you. And then the, the church grows, and that's great. But then it, it's kind of a natural following to be able, or at that point, to rely on processes and programs instead of people and power. And the blessings can become a burden. And then there was strife. There was strife between Abram. There was strife between Lot. And, and sometimes as our blessings become burdens, there becomes strife in the home and in the church and in the company or whatever it is. And everyone at that moment is when we become inwardly focused on maintaining. Taking us back to last week, right? We had accum- or the, he had accumulated so much wealth in Egypt. And now they were crossing through the desert. So Abram and Lot become inwardly focused and saying, what must we do to maintain? And rather than looking at how they had to get into the promised land and advancing, they schemed to stay alive and to maintain their blessing while walking through the desert. But again, guys, the kingdom of God is not about maintaining. It's about advancing. So here we go again, verse 8. So Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between You and me, between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we're brethren, is not the whole land before you. Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I'll take the right. And if you go right, then I'll go to the left. And then Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, 
that it was well watered everywhere. This is before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful before the Lord. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift your eyes now, and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see I will give you and your descendants forever. And I'll make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants could be numbered. Arise, walk through the land, its length and its width, for I give it to you. Then Abram moved his tent and dwelt by the terebinth tree in Mamre, which are in Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. So guys, here we go. This is the, the focus. This, this is the last passage of Scripture is the focus of this morning's message, and I believe it's the reason that, that God laid it on my heart in the middle of the night. That Lot looked, and he took what seemed to be best. He took what was pleasing to the eye, and Abram was left with what seemed inferior. But God had made a promise to Abram, and he had given Abram a job to do to build his kingdom. And so, guys, from where we are, you know what? I don't know what life is going to look like this fall. I really don't. I know that, that, that there's a potential for lockdowns. I know that there's a potential for political unrest and turmoil. And I, and I can see that on the horizon, in the natural, there's probably some bad things awaiting in even God's people. Right? Lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold is what the Bible says about the last days. And so I don't know what culture is going to look like this. this I don't know what, what culture is going to look like post-COVID. Right? So when this thing goes away, when we have vaccines and blah, 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 I don't know if people are going to be interested in coming back on Sunday morning. I don't know if people are going to be interested in church like it was. Probably not the same way. The church is still going to be strong and the church is still going to advance, but I believe that, that methods, methodologies, programs, and things are going to have to change and we're going to have to demonstrate the power of God. People are going to come for power and not programs. But guys, I tell you this, if we had a choice this morning between well-watered plains of the Jordan and cities that looked fun and prosperous, if we had a choice to go there and, and move our tents maybe even as far as Sodom, or if we had a choice instead to look out over desert places and know that God's promises laid there, that I'm challenging us this morning to get our eyes off of what looks comfortable. Because I believe where we're going as a nation, as a society, as a church, is not a place that looks comfortable. I believe that it looks like a desert place. But I also believe that it's full of promise. And there's potential there. A couple of things real quick. And I believe that we're in a parallel with, with what happened here as we're called to not to maintain but to multiply. The first thing here is the, the power of promise. The power of promise always supersedes perceived potential. Right? If you have to choose between a promise and a perception, always, 100% of the time, choose the promise. 
Lot chose what was pleasing to the eye. And in the end, it cost him all of his wealth. If you go and you read, you continue to read the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, you see that Lot goes in there. He's a very rich man. His herds couldn't, be, couldn't even dwell with Abram's herds because the land couldn't sustain him. He goes into Sodom that way. He lives as an outsider, but then we see him living in the city, and then we see him as a leader in the city. But before the story ends, we see him leaving with nothing except what he could carry. Him and his daughters escape. His own wife turns to a pillar of salt. You guys know the story. He loses everything. But Abram, who could have chosen first, gave the option to Lot and was pleased to look over the promises of God and say, okay, Lot, you can take that, but I'm going to take the promises of God. Because I'm telling you, the potential of faith, the potential and the promises of God always supersedes what meets the eye. You can read through the Bible and you can see incredible stories of men and women and what God has done. You look at Gideon. right? The angel of the Lord shows up to him and says, hey, hey, mighty warrior. And Gideon says, who, me? Like he is hiding He's hiding in the threshing floor. He's hiding out trying to to get just a little bit of crops that he could because he he has no power at all. And the angel calls him a mighty man of valor. And and Gideon's like, you can't be talking to me. No, he's talking to his potential. He was talking to the promise that God had given him. Yeah, King David, right? The prophet shows up to anoint someone king. His own dad doesn't go and get him. He's just a skinny little teenager. It's not, it is not amounting to anything yet. And God says, no, 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 I look at the heart. <laughs> I'm not looking at the outside. I'm looking at the heart. Yeah, you got Peter and John. They're ignorant and unlearned fishermen. And they're turning the world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God is always focused on the potential of the promise instead of the potential of the perception. And I'll tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, church, guys, it's time to move forward. It's time for us to move forward. Now, here's the thing. I know that some of us are, are facing transitions and decisions. And in this moment, I, I believe that a lot of us can, we can either go for what's going to look good or go for what God has called us to do and where you know his promises are. And I'm not saying to throw out reason, right? I'm not saying to throw out logic or anything like that, but just know this, that observations and reason are always eclipsed by the Word of God. So if you're facing a decision, if you're facing left hand or right hand, do I do this or do I do this, bring it before the Lord. Wait, a career change, bring it before the Lord. And it's not always the, the one that looks the best on paper. Relationship change, it's not always the one that checks all the boxes Friendship change is not always the one that's going to lead to popularity. Sometimes there's a way that, that looks good on the surface, but God is calling you and has a promise somewhere else. When I was getting out of college, I tell the story a lot, so if you've heard it, forgive me, right? When I was getting out of college, you know, it's a strange time, right? You, you know, Pastor Courtney just went through this. It's a strange time because on one hand, you've got all this potential in front of you, and on the other hand, you feel like you have no options, because for the rest of the previous years of your life, everything has been planned out. First grade, second grade, third grade, then you go to college and you know where you're going to live and you know what your class schedule you You've got it figured out. And then all of a sudden, you can do anything, but you feel like you can't do anything. And I had a job opportunity at the nuclear plant. 
and I love Russellville. Like I love the outdoors, love the mountain biking, like the lake, even though it's kind of muddy and probably radioactive. And, and anyway, so I had gone to school the whole time, and I was I was wanting to to work at the nuke plant, and that that's what I wanted to do. And the money was great. And then I also had this opportunity in aerospace down here in Little Rock, and the money wasn't as good. And I didn't really want to live in central Arkansas. And it was just out of my comfort zone. And so you look over the land and you see this land of promise. You see what it looks like on paper. I needed to go. I know what I wanted to do. It was what I was perceiving, but the promise wasn't there. I'll tell you this, ladies and gentlemen, that through ministry, through life, through everything else, following the will of God, the promise of God has superseded everything that I could have ever perceived on paper. Ladies and gentlemen, we cannot maintain. We must move forward. In our moving forward, we're going to have choices to make because moving is changing. And just know and practice that God's promises always supersede our vision. And if you have to choose between what looks good and what God says is going to bless you and always go with the Lord and you will be blessed for sure. Secondly, I see that faith, faith sees prosperity even in the desert. Now, Abraham is the father of faith. He left his home not knowing where he was going. He left Egypt not knowing how the desert would sustain him. Right? And now he looks at Canaan not knowing how but sure that God will bless him. Canaan was not what, what was, he was left with. It was what God gave him. Right? The, the desert place that you see in front of you is not what you've been left with. It's what God has given you. So have faith, ladies and gentlemen, have faith that even if a water has to flow from a rock, that God will supply your needs in this season. Please, please, please see according to God's promise and see it by faith. As we're edging away from summer, and I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, the fall and the winter, they're going to be difficult between pandemics and politics. I don't know. I may want to unsubscribe to 2020, guys. But, but have faith in the Lord that God is going to move on your behalf. That God's going to get you out of a rut and, and that there's going to be faith and hope and things. Grow faith by reading the Word of God and fully convinced of the promises that He's written about you. Ladies and gentlemen, hey, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's, that's the Scripture, right? Get in the Word. Build your own faith because I'm telling you, we're going to go to a, p- a place where we are going to see nothing but expect everything. And if you're going to make it through this, you're not going to walk by sight. You're going to walk by And if we're going to grow the kingdom through this, not only are we going to figure out how to be prosperous in our faith, we're going to figure out how to stir up faith in others. There's baby Christians that are going to struggle. Remember, lawlessness will abound and the love of many will grow cold, right? There's baby Christians that's going to struggle. Right? It's like the seed that was cast on the path, or the seed that was cast in the rocky soil, and they, they spring up quickly, but they have no root. And when persecution comes, they dry up and they die, and we can't have that. We, the mature people, have to, have to help them. Their roots may be shallow, but we're going to come alongside them. We're going to stir up faith in them and help them get those roots deep, because we cannot lose. We cannot lose people from the kingdom of God. We have to continue pushing and stirring and stirring up faith in others. 
Last but not least, I see reliance. Reliance. It leads to righteousness. The story of Abraham and Lot separating. You see Lot, and he goes to the plains, and he understands that he can make it happen on his own. Right? He lifts up his eyes, and he looks, and the Bible describes where he's moving to as, as beautiful and as lush as the Garden of Eden. He's got all these flocks, and he's got all this wealth, and now he's going to a place where it's always sunny with a high of 75, and there's plenty of, of stuff for his flocks to eat, and, and it's just he can do it on his own. He can do it on his own. He doesn't need God. And so we find him moving closer and closer to Sodom, continuing to make more and more compromises and we see him getting real comfortable, and comfort is not always a good thing. He no longer had to rely on God to be his portion. Abram was the opposite. He lifted up his eyes, he saw desert places, but he knew that he had a promise, and through faith he was out there and understood that God was going to supply his need, but only if he relied on God for everything. Guys, America is changing. And time is growing short. And I fully believe that there's a time soon when we ha will have to rely on God instead of the government or instead of systems to get through. I'm fully convinced. Already we see that, that modern medicine is failing us in this COVID-19 thing, right? We're going to have to rely on the power of God. We're going to have to rely on the promises of God, right? We're going to have to rely on Him for protection and for healing and for provision. And I believe these things. And you know what that's going to do? That's going to, make, that's going to drive us closer to righteousness, because when we understand that if God is our only portion and our only hope, then we're going to be very careful not to offend the Holy Spirit inside of us. I'm not talking about living righteousness just so that we can earn rewards and bargaining with God. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm saying that, that if we know that He's our ride, we're going to make sure we don't get too far from Him, right? <laughs> you ever been left somewhere? Uh, I, I used to leave my younger brother all the time. He used to get left all the time because I would drive somewhere, usually to church. I would drive to church. My parents would drive to church, and, and we would just leave and assume, like this is back in the old days, right? We had Morse code in the car instead of cell phones. And we would just assume that I would assume he's riding with them. They would assume he's riding with me. And we'd get home, we'd be like, where's Caleb? <laughs> and okay, so we'd go back and get him. If you're relying on somebody for a ride, you're not going to get too far away from them. Because you want to make sure you're going with them. I see the same thing happen in the Church of America. I think that we're going to have to be so reliant upon God for our everything. For our everything. That we're going to walk in step with the Holy Ghost. Right? Not out of fear that He's going to strike us down if we get away from Him, but out, of, but out of love and of dependence. We depend on Him, so we're going to be right there with Him. And we're going to follow righteousness because we know that we cannot offend the Holy Ghost because we depend on him because he's meeting our every need ladies and gentlemen I'm fully convinced that the future of the church is going to be good but I'm also fully convinced that the future of the church is not going to be easy 
And as we get out there and as we push to grow the kingdom of God, I believe that especially in front, I'm, t- I'm telling you, I'm looking, for, I'm looking around at a room full of rock star Christians. Like a lot of you guys, I know you've been Christians forever, and I think you could probably, you know, take on demons with a squirt gun, right? You can just bash them with a little New Testament. You don't even need like the whole thing. But, but what I'm seeing is that in front of these rock stars, we're going to have choices to make. This isn't a matter of salvation. Like, I'm not questioning the. I'm not questioning salvation here. I'm just saying, are we going to go forward? Or are we not? There's going to come a point where we're going to be able to take an easy path, the well-watered plains, right? We can, we can, we can, we can go that way, or we can move into the promises of God. And I believe God has promised us some things. I believe God has promised us some things in our households for this church, for this community. I believe God has promised us some things. But we've got to walk according to His promise, not according to our sight. We've got to live by faith and continue to push and stir up faith in others and fully rely on Him, leading to righteousness that, that, is, that is seeing how close we can get to Him, seeing how close we can walk and step with the Holy Ghost. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. We invite you to be part of our online community by subscribing to this podcast. Also, follow us on social media at The Ridge Assembly PH on Facebook and Instagram. If you live in the central Arkansas area, we certainly invite you to be part of our live community. You can join us Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. at the Old Park Hill Elementary Building. That's at 3801 JFK Boulevard in North Little Rock. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.